So clearly we are here because the, our world is uh, slowly being turned upside down, challenged by the proliferation of this virus or the potential proliferation of the virus. And I think if you're anything like me, uh, you've been in moments, maybe many moments, drifting into a, a state of uh, uncertainty, slightly um, anxious and wondering what's next because we're just left with that unknown of how things will turn out and it's very easy for our mind to um, catastrophize, to anticipate the worst and then our, our body goes into a state of freeze and anxiety. And the amazing thing about that is nothing's really happened. It's all been in our imagination. And that's what humans do. So it's certainly worthy of sympathy and compassion to be upset, to be concerned, to be worried. But many of the, uh, many of the worst places that we go, it's just our imagination. So when I was recognizing, recognizing that pattern within my own mind today, and over the last week I traveled to uh, Texas to lead a retreat and I felt on the on the airplane, the, the collective worry and the hypervigilance and the incessant wiping that people were doing, which was all good, but nevertheless, I could just feel the buildup of, of worry that was um, occurring. And I felt quite unnerved by the end, just part of this collective uh, concern. And when I was reflecting on that today, I was thinking that this collective concern or our individual concern is, reminded me a lot of the anticipatory anxiety that arises for people who go on meditation retreats. They go on a meditation retreat, they're unfolding present moments or very uh, workable, they're basically in any moment, there are just six things happening. There's seeing, there's hearing, there's smelling, there's tasting, there's sensations, there's thoughts, moods. Really, life in its present unfolding is quite simple. Even in the middle of a world that is spinning, our present moment experience is very simple. When we talk about life as being complicated, it's really not complicated. It's really simple. But our imagination makes it complicated. And a phenomenon that I noticed in my early years of practice, and I know I've spoken of this on Tuesday nights before, is 
at the end of a retreat, when it's time to go home, the mind, our minds jump ahead. They start creating the complicated life that we are re-entering. And that complicated life has to-do lists. It has people who are difficult. It has all the all the things that are necessary to live. It's so different than the simplicity of what's happening moment to moment. And there is a strong tendency for those who are anticipating what's next to become quite anxious. And there's this very precious experience of being in touch with the unfolding present The eternal now, you know, just the immersed in life, right where it is, right where it touches you. It's so precious. And there is the fear that you'll lose it. And then there is the belief that this very fragile connection with real-time awareness, this fragile practice, then has to be taken into the, our big crazy, complicated, scary life. And then we get anxious. And I noticed that a lot because I, I did long practice periods and I would leave and I'd be thinking, how am I going to take this little practice, little me go out into that big world? And perhaps right now you're feeling a little alone in the world with your, your worries about what will happen. Anyway, one day I realized that I was getting quite nervous about going home from the retreat. And I realized that I had just built this whole world in my mind of my everything that I had to deal with and nothing had really happened. I hadn't gone anywhere. It was all in my imagination. And I was framing this experience like I'm going to have to deal, take my little solo body, mind, practice out into that big scary world. I have to integrate this, integrate this into my life. And, and um, how am I going to do that? And then it dawned on me that that was just the way of viewing it. And it was just freaking me out. And it dawned on me that when I go home, when my home actually comes to me, it's really just the same moments. In fact, I don't really even go home. There isn't a big world out there. There's just this moment. And I reframed the whole process of, of going home, of dealing with my life, and rather than bringing my little practice into this big crazy life, it was really bringing this crazy life into my practice, which is really right where I am. So 
even with this virus, with all that we have to do, it's really still just bringing what shows up moment by moment into our practice, which is exactly where we are. And to, our practice is to notice how our mind creates the world of this, of this drama, the world of this virus. And it doesn't mean that we don't take every precaution, which we're doing tonight by, by meeting virtually. But we do not have to uh, postpone being well. Being well, when I say being well, I mean having a clear mind, an open heart, knowing that my life is just unfolding. This moment, this is the only moment that I can attend to. The last one has passed. The next one's just an idea. There's just this. And this one I can handle. And when I see myself jumping ahead, I notice my mind is jumping in. When I feel myself anxious, I turn toward that feeling of anxiety and I let that anxiety be my path back to the living present to the extent that I can feel it. And if I'm not able to feel it, I will try to feel something else, see something else, hear something else that is nearby that reminds me that I'm here, that I'm not in the middle of, of this crazy world. The crazy world, right where I'm sitting, is quite simple. So may we all integrate our, this time, this world, what, whatever's happening, may we integrate it into our practice, which is right where we're sitting, or walking, or whatever we may be doing right now. The best protection for this tendency for our winds to, to move up into a lot of discursive thinking, this is the, what I've been thinking about anyway, the best protection is a, is a wide, receptive sensitivity to my sitting body or my body, wherever it is, just feeling it. Not looking for anything but a simple sense of body awareness. I notice, and you can check this out for yourself, the moment I place my attention in the body, something in me stills, steadies. Like the, like a frog, it may, my mind may leap out again. As Thich Nhat Hanh says, keep putting the frog 
back again on the center of the plate. If you do it, it'll jump out again. If you keep doing it, frog will remain still on the center of the plate. So even though you have, as he says, even though you have frog nature, you also have Buddha nature, a capacity to be aware of the body in the body. And it will calm you. The Buddha suggested that there's only one thing, really, one thing that leads to a calm abiding, that leads to the uprooting of the tendencies of mind that make us run from silence, run from presence. There's one thing that he just admonished all the monks to do is place their mind in their body, in their body, in their mind. Mindfulness directed to the body. Wherever you go, put your mind in your body. The other thing I'm trying to remember right now is the um, the wisdom, I wanted to call it the wisdom of equanimity. Really the only wise response to uncertain conditions. And in the teachings of the Buddha, he made it very clear, just reminds us, it's not like he made this up, said if we reflect on five things, we will, um, we can stay steady, we'll, we'll find some balance. If we can remember that we're sure to become old, that we can't avoid aging. I should say we're sure to become older. <laughs> we're sure to become ill. We cannot avoid illness. I think it's really important to remember right now. We're sure to die. We can't avoid death. We are sure to become separated from all that we hold near and dear. We are sure to be the heir, the inheritor of our actions, of our karma. They're, they are our main relation. They are the womb out of which we are born moment to moment. So what seeds do you want to plant during this time of uncertainty? We can either plant the seed the seeds that lead to more balance and non-reactiveness, non-contentiousness, or we can plant the seed of, of uh, grasping at our health, our life, our youth. We can practice letting go, letting be, as is. Easy to talk about, but what you do with your mind right now is what creates your future present moments. One Tibetan teacher said, if you want to understand your past, look at your present experience. 
You want to understand your future, look at your present actions. So what, what you do with your mind right now, and if you, from the time you wake up in the morning till the time you go to bed, you put your mind in your body, your body in your mind, there's no doubt that seed will produce a greater sense of harmony of mind and body, more continuity of attention to real time, since the body is always real time, less reactivity, those moments of mindfulness strung together, create a much more firm and continuous stream of, of openness, non-contentiousness, and contentment, because when we're attentive, when we're aware, we don't want anything. Just aware. But especially the first three reflections, I'm sure to become old, I'm sure to become ill, I'm sure to die, to reflect on the, the normalcy of this. And to not be so shocked, so amazed when we realize that we're vulnerable. I actually have the, I have Jennifer Wellwood's wonderful poem that the Kini speaks with me tonight. My friends, let's grow up. Let's stop pretending we don't know the deal here. Or if we truly haven't noticed, let's wake up and notice. Look, everything that can be lost will be lost. It's simple. How could we have missed it for so long? Let's grieve our losses fully like ripe human beings. But please, let's not be so shocked by them. Let's not act so betrayed as though life had broken her secret promise to us. Impermanence is life's only promise to us and she keeps it with ruthless impeccability. To a child, she seems cruel, but she is only wild and her compassion exquisitely precise. Brilliantly penetrating, luminous with truth, she strips away the unreal to show us the real. This is the true ride. Let's give ourselves to it. Let's stop making deals for a safe passage. There isn't one anyway and the cost is too high. We're not children anymore. The true human adult gives everything for what cannot be lost. Let's dance the wild dance of no hope. Not exactly the message we're hearing every day. <laughs> uh, we're hearing the message, hold on tight, be worried, be frenzied, be obsessive, be compulsive, be hypervigilant. Do you know we can do all of that? We can take care of ourselves, take care of each other, and still relax. If we keep our mind in the same place as our body. Even with teachings, though, we get flooded. Someone I met with today, a 
went through it's very much at the heart of the um, of the AIDS epidemic doing a lot of service and seeing many many near and dear ones uh, pass away and struggle and just the level of uncertainty that's that this new virus has brought has triggered kind of a, almost like a PTSD a, a, a re triggering of the trauma of that whole of the um, epidemic and that comes unbidden as many of our reactions do and so it's it's also essential that we that we uh, that we regard ourselves with great tenderness kindness try to meet whatever whatever the upset that you may have even this moment as we sit here together you meet it with kindness my wife uh, shared with me this morning the practice that is especially useful for for trauma for harmonizing the um, the nervous system uh, the the chanting of the the sound vu you know that it that it resonates with the with the vagus nerve and it, it helps release oxytocin in the brain and helps feel like we're being soothed and settled and it and it calms us so let's do it together for a few moments vu do it to the extent that you feel it in your in your heart area and your throat and your nerves many many means of soothing our hearts soothing our bodies all orienting ourselves to this unfolding present, a sense of now, helps settle us. A physical gesture of kindness and self-compassion Then the practice, a very specific kind of practice of equanimity, just reflecting over and over again. Although wish I wish things were otherwise, things are as they are. Things are as they are, whether I like them or not. Although I wish things were otherwise, and just letting that sense that things are as they are, take root in our heart. But also just dropping into our stream of consciousness when we sit quietly. Just the word equanimity, just the word balance. Sensing that the mind that knows, the knowing mind, awareness, itself is balanced. 
that balanced awareness meets the body, feeling the stillness, the balance of the sitting body, or the standing body, or the walking body. Just feeling that evenness of mind. So there's the equanimity that is the evenness of mind. There's the equanimity of understanding that things are as they are, whether I like them or not. And then there's the dropping in of, of metaphors that can really help us remember and recover this balanced, non-reactive, welcoming awareness. What gives a sense of equanimity? What metaphor? Open, empty, impartial, like a clear, empty sky. The sky is immovable. Be the sky. That's one that may be resonant with you. Another is unshakable like a mountain that draws us to the stillness of the body, stillness of mind, the immovable mountain. All the storms come and go, but the mountain is not moved. Then from the Advaita Vedanta tradition, the deep ocean, the unbounded deep, in whom all the worlds rise and fall. There's a stirring of the waves, but the unbounded deep is not shaken. Or for some of you who've heard over and over the poem about the little duck. I'll leave you with this one. There's a big heaving in the Atlantic Ocean. And there's this little duck. The ocean is heaving, and what does the duck do? He sits down in it. He reposes in the immediate, as if it were infinity which it is. He eases himself into the boundless, just where it touches him. In the poem it says, I like that little duck. He doesn't know much, but he has religion. He knows what to do. What does he do? He sits down. All of these teachings call us here that the cure for our pain and our upset is to turn toward it. <clears throat> to recognize whatever mood, whatever state of mind, whatever thought or worry is 
just arising and fading. And we rest in that state of non-clinging. Not intentionally looking ahead, not intentionally looking back. Last thing I'll share since a couple weeks ago, someone asked about the eight worldly winds. We're certainly having some worldly winds blow through our life. Here's what the Buddha said about the worldly winds. Oh monks, when an instructed noble disciple comes upon gain, he reflects on this, on it thus. This gain that has come to me is impermanent bound up with suffering, subject to change. And so will he reflect when loss and so forth come upon him. He understands all these things as they really are, and they do not engross his mind. Thus he will not be elated by gain or dejected by loss, elated by fame or dejected by disrepute, elated by praise or dejected by blame, elated by pleasure or dejected by pain. Having thus given up likes and dislikes, he will be freed from birth, aging, and death, from sorrow, lamentation, from pain, grief, and despair. He will be freed from suffering, I declare. This, monks, is the distinction, the disparity, the difference between an instructed noble disciple and an uninstructed worldling. He ends with a poem, loss and gain, disrepute and fame, praise and blame, pleasure and pain. These things are transient in human life, inconstant and bound to change. The mindful wise one discerns them well, observant of their alterations. Pleasant things do not stir his mind and those unpleasant do not annoy him. All likes and dislikes are dispelled by him, eliminated and abolished. Aware now of the stainless, griefless state he fully knows, having gone beyond. So may we all just rest in that which is beyond. Just, just any moment of present awareness. So let's just sit quietly for a moment. right in the middle of it. Easing ourselves into the boundless, right where it touches us. Enveloped in a field of loving kindness, self-compassion, and compassion for all beings these crazy circumstances. May all beings find peace. May all beings find happiness. Happiness that's 
that does not depend on circumstances. May all beings live with ease. And again, may our practice today and every day be dedicated to the welfare and benefit of all. our practice be a blessing to everyone we know and everyone we don't know. Anyway, thank you for indulging this, this strange technology. I realize I could have been looking at the camera, but I, you know, it seemed a little odd to look at a computer, so I just closed my eyes a lot of the time and Hope you didn't feel like I was in my own world. I was thinking about you and I wish you all well and I so appreciate you joining. And I guess Dan, had, did Dan have some, did he put out a message? Oh no, he, I think just right there, just in terms of Donna. Oh yeah. Well, Dan wanted uh, you to know that uh, there are opportunities to offer support for our Sangha through PayPal and Venmo. And so thank you for any any support uh, tonight. And I just wanted to, to say that some of you may have expected Tara Moulet to be with us tonight as um, leading the Sangha, but we thought that um, that it might be a little bit difficult technically and everything for, for her uh, to come just on a, a drop-in basis to, um, to be able to kind of manage this whole thing tonight and so but she will be back those looking for her um she loves our sangha she used to be the president of the board and um so she's with you in spirit tonight take care happy happy stay well wash your hands thank you Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.